Don't ever think that because prayer doesn't come easily to you, that maybe you're not called to prayer. Or maybe you're the only one that faces that struggle. No, the scripture describes it as a contest. And oftentimes, we're not even in the game. I remember we had a coach that used to say, get your head in the game. And he wanted us to realize what we were about. And I think as Christians, sometimes we need to get in the game with prayer. We need to realize that's the contest. That's the struggle. And you say, well, I find it not easy. Of course so. That's the way it will be. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual struggle. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a six-part message titled, Striving in Prayer. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. If you want to take your Bible and turn to Romans 15 this morning. We've been looking at Paul's ministry uh, in Romans 15. Uh, He gets personal at the end of this letter in the sense that he tells what's on his heart. And it's a guideline for us. It's a pattern for us. And there are many things that we could probably underline as key to his ministry. But I would say uh, we've come in verse 30 to something that deserves to be called a key to his ministry. And that is that his ministry was sustained, it was undergirded, it was permeated with prayer. And really we could say all ministry, all real ministry, the day will show that what God did was through prayer. And uh, so we want to learn from it today. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints, so that I may come to you in in, in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Now, uh, there's a literary hint here as to how significant this is. Significant this is. Uh, look back at chapter 12 when he finally, and I say finally because he'd written 11 chapters of truth, when he finally began to exhort in the book of Romans. The first thing he said after 11 chapters of truth, he said, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. And the rest of Romans is an unfolding of that urge or that encouragement. Parakaleo, I encourage you now to give yourself to God. Now look over at 15, verse 30. And he uses exactly the same verbiage. When he says, I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. 
Be co-laborers with me. Be partners with me. Strive together with me. How? By prayer. Strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Put your shoulder to the task with me. Be a co-laborer with me, Paul says. And do so by joining me in prayer. Now, uh, I want to talk a little bit about that because I want to talk about the great ministry of praying for others. Notice, pray with me, or join with me, I should say, struggle with me, strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Talking about intercession, bringing other people, other needs before God in prayer, intercession. And uh, I believe it's the great underpinning of what God is doing uh, throughout history, really. We don't fully understand it. We know God is sovereign, and yet God has sovereignly chosen to work through his people's prayers. And so when we think about this privilege, and it is just that, of intercession, we should do so humbly and with reverence. And uh, prayer is hard work. Prayer is valuable. It's efficient. It's fruitful. It's time well spent. In fact, it's perhaps the most valuable thing we do. Perhaps it's the best, most efficient time spent. The most fruitful time in our lives might be when we're on our knees. But just the same. It's hard work. It's hard work. Look at verse 30. Strive together with me. Agonizomai. Agonize we get our term from. And he uses a strengthened form or an intensified form of this verb agonize or struggle or strive. He puts a prefix on it, soon agonizomai, to struggle with him and it intensifies it, intensifies it and it uh, encourages us to join with him in this struggle. Now it's a term that was used... Uh, the noun form was used of the athletic contest in Paul's day. And particularly the uh, struggle of a wrestler against another opponent or a boxer. Paul used the term when he said, everybody who competes in the games, and that's the exact same phrase he uses here when he uses this term, the agon, the, the contest, the struggle. The, the race that is set before us, Hebrews 12 says. Same term. Same term. And so I want you to remember that as you think about prayer because uh, it isn't something we just kind of casually do. It isn't something that we find easy to do. It's a contest. It's an agon. It's a struggle. And Paul says, struggle with me. In fact, as I was looking at all the references just this morning to uh, this term and to what God says about prayer, 
I realized I could have just as well have called this, uh, this message not striving in prayer, but struggling in prayer. And I thought, well, that sounds kind of negative. And uh, in one sense, it should. A struggle, we tend to think of as, you're struggling? Well, yeah, I am. Struggling in prayer. Now, it doesn't have to be negative, does it? You know, the, the struggle of an athletic contest, you can come out on top. But to say struggling in prayer captures quite well the challenge that Paul talks about here. Uh, when Paul said, I have fought the good fight, this is the term he used. I have agonized the good agon. Now, Timothy, you fight the good fight. And by extension, he exhorts all of us to fight the good fight. Uh, he's using this term. It's a fight. It's a struggle. If my kingdom were of this world, Jesus said, then my servants would be fighting with a sword. You know, they'd be down with everybody else. But my kingdom is not of this world. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers. It's against the powers. It's against the world forces of this darkness. Hence, we need to stand firm. We need to be strong in the Lord. And prayer is how we lay hold of the Lord and his strength. And that's why when he says in Ephesians 6 uh, to put on the full armor and to stand firm, he closes that section off with prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Epaphras, look over at Colossians 4. Paul uh, used this term a couple, three times in Colossians. Look, I'll have you look at chapter 1 first. Verse 29, for this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. To present people in Christ and to present people complete in Christ, he says, I strive, I agonize for this, I labor. And then he says, verse 1 of chapter 2, I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. He was burdened, he fought, he struggled. Now turn over to chapter 4. And he says, Epaphras, verse 12, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. Always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. That's the same term, agonizing laboring earnestly. Prayer is hard work. Don't ever think that because prayer doesn't come easily to you, that maybe you're not called to prayer, or maybe you're the only one that faces that struggle. No, the scripture describes it as a contest. And oftentimes, we're not even in the game. I remember we had a coach that used to say, get your head in the game. And he wanted us to realize what we were about. And I think as Christians, sometimes we need to get in the game with prayer. We need to realize that's the contest. That's the struggle. And you say, well, I find it not easy. Of course so. That's the way it will be. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual struggle. And we need to pray at all times. Now, the New Testament is littered 
with commands and exhortations to prayer. And Paul, as he closes off Romans, he says, I urge you, brethren, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, join with me in prayer. Peter closes his epistle by saying, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. If ever we ought to be praying, it's in the year 2001. The end of all things is at hand. Peter wrote a couple thousand years ago. If that's true then, it's all the more true now. Pray in light of the times. Devote yourselves to prayer, Paul said in Colossians. When we were looking at that in Romans 12, he uh, told us to be devoted to prayer. And that term is to be so given over that we're ready at any time to pray. Jesus uh, had that little boat ready for him when he was speaking. They had the boat standing ready so that if he needed to, he could get on the boat and get out from the crowd so he could address them. They had a boat standing ready, we read. That's the term he used. It was devoted to his use. We're to be standing ready, devoted to the Lord in prayer. Pray without ceasing. Pray at all times. Pray about everything. You look through the New Testament and you think about it. He exhorts us to pray all the time. And I don't think we'll know till eternity how much God has accomplished through prayer. Paul, as he tells about his ministry here, he says, now join with me in striving together with me in prayer to God for me. He asked them, in most of his epistles, you'll find him either commenting about his prayer for them or asking them to pray for him or both because he so believed in the intercessory power of prayer. It sustained his ministry. It kept him from persecution. Notice verse 31. That I may be delivered from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints. He said, pray specifically that I'd be delivered from those who are disobedient. Pray that I'd be able to come to you in refreshment and joy. Pray for protection uh, pray about everything. Pray for those who are out from our midst ministering. Pray for our missionaries. Pray specifically. Keep yourself abreast of their needs. Join them in the struggle by praying for them. You'll never know till eternity how much God has done through your prayers. And I remind you, and I remind myself, that when we fail to pray... We're disobedient. We're in sin. Samuel, when, uh, when he was handing the reins over uh, to Saul, and he knew the Lord had told him what a king for the country would be. He knew there were tough times ahead. But as he gave his last address to Israel in 1 Samuel 12, he said, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Now, as I say that, if you're like me, you realize there's sin in your life when you didn't even realize it. Samuel said, 
far be it from me that I'd sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Prayer is hard work. Prayer is not easy. Prayer is an agony. Prayer is a contest. Prayer is a race. Prayer is a struggle. Prayer is a conflict. Uh, do you struggle in prayer? I read in Luke 22 about our Lord being in agony. He was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood. Agonia, the only time that term is used, very similar to agon or agonize. But our Lord, it's told, he was in the struggle. And uh, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go beyond that. I wouldn't say that he uh, struggled as we're to struggle in prayer. But he was in, the, he was in agony and he fervently prayed. And once again, that Gethsemane scene is such an example for us. He fervently prayed, and his sweat became like drops of blood. Do you find it hard work? Do you find it labor-intensive? Epaphras labored earnestly for the Colossian church. I want to just suggest a few thoughts here. Uh, both negative and positive about this. With this in our mind, this thought that it is striving together, that it is struggling in prayer. First of all, reasons we don't pray. Reasons we don't pray. Or you might say, reasons why prayer is a struggle or why it's a contest. First, unbelief unbelief. You don't have because you don't ask, the scripture says. But we don't really believe that. We think we don't have because we haven't done enough or we need to get out there and do it. We tend to think man-centered instead of God-centered. He says you don't have because you don't ask. Unbelief. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find, Jesus said. Knock, and the door will open. But, uh, we don't believe that, and so we don't pray. Unbelief hinders prayer. Secondly, Satan's lies. You know, he's the liar. He's the father of lies. And uh, if prayer is a spiritual struggle, and it is, why, he'll suggest to you when you go to prayer, God isn't hearing this. You're not in the right frame of mind. You're not praying right. He's not going to answer. He doesn't care. You're just wasting your time. You're talking to yourself. Who's saying that when you pray? Well, the father of lies. God says he hears prayer. God says he answers prayer. God says pray. Ask and I'll give you. But there's a voice that says, no, he doesn't. Nah. You're, uh... Or he'll suggest to you that... Your prayers aren't as good as somebody else's. <laughs> or that you're coming in your name, and you start to believe that you're coming in your merit rather than what? The name of Jesus. You see, when you pray in Jesus' name, it's not like saying sincerely yours, signing off, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> when you come in Jesus' name, you're coming in the merit and the name of Jesus Christ. He hears his children. We've not received a spirit of slavery, but a spirit of adoption by which we can cry out, Abba, Father, and we can bring our requests to him, and we're asked to. 
But Satan will lie about it and say, no, don't do that. You're wasting your time. Third, sometimes I think Christians uh, don't pray because of bad theology. Some Christians have uh, discovered from the Bible that God is sovereign, that nothing thwarts his purposes, that he's in charge from everlasting to everlasting, that he's going to accomplish his will. And so they extrapolate from that truth that they found in the Bible that what's the matter if we pray or not? That's bad theology. <laughs> you see, how do I know God is sovereign? Because the Bible says so. How do I know he's in charge from everlasting to everlasting? Because the Bible says so. The Bible that teaches me that God is sovereign, that God does as he pleases, that nothing can thwart his purposes, that same Bible tells me that prayer changes things. You say, how can that be, Scott? Don't ask me. <laughs> ask God. You see, many things about God are beyond our ability to comprehend. But God in his sovereignty has so designed history that he will work and does work in answer to prayer. And the same Bible that makes me rejoice that he's sovereign lets me rejoice that I can move his hand through prayer and go to him in Jesus' name and see him accomplish things. You say, how can you put those two together? I don't need to. That's not my task. That's God's task. I just need to pray. Don't... Uh, don't let bad theology, and, and you, you understand bad theology often has a lot of truth to it, just doesn't have balanced truth. Uh, that keeps people from praying. There are many reasons why we don't pray, I suppose. There are many reasons why it's a struggle. Uh, the fourth and last one that I would note is spiritual laziness. <laughs> spiritual laziness. You know, if prayer is a struggle, and it is, if it's a contest, if Paul says, join with me in the contest, why, I would expect that it will have some elements of a normal contest. And there are so many of us that say, boy, I would love to uh, shoot golf like that guy. <laughs> he just seems to make it look so easy. But we don't particularly want to put the time in and the effort in to get good at it. Because after all, that's not easy. That's hard work. And even guys with much talent tell us, and we see it in every realm, that uh, giftedness alone isn't enough. They need to refine it and refine it and work on it and work on it. And finally, the contest will go to the one who really labors. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled Striving in Prayer, a message from our series in the book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to AbideInTheWord.us. 
A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. If you've ever wanted Pastor Scott's sermon library in the palm of your hand, we have a new app available called the Abide app. It's available in both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Along with the sermon library, you'll also find Scott's written publications, biblical seminars on a variety of subjects, daily devotional videos, this radio program, and the Abide Method, a monthly Bible reading and writing plan developed by Scott to give you the opportunity to read and write out Scripture. These resources all come free within the app, so if you're looking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please consider downloading the Abide app in either the Apple or Google App Stores. We'd love to get this valuable resource into your hands. We'd like to remind you that Abide in the Word only remains on this station through the generous contributions of listeners like you. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with us in this Bible teaching ministry? We'd love to have you join us. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. When we pray, we are, rather than manifesting unbelief, we are manifesting faith. Because God says, ask and I'll do. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open to you. You don't have because you don't ask. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. And when we pray, we manifest faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's looking for faith. And perhaps we manifest faith no more uh, poignantly than when we ask God, when we intercede on behalf of others, when we realize we can have the most impact on our children's lives, for instance, through prayer, and when we act accordingly. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the Book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, Striving in Prayer. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.